Welcome to you on this Easter Sunday. We are just so thankful that you have chosen to celebrate the resurrection with us. I know you could have been anywhere this morning, but we're thankful that you have chosen to celebrate the resurrection with us. You know, this is the single most important day of the year for those of us who call ourselves Christians. We have done a lot of praying, we have done a lot of planning, and a lot of preparing for this day. And so as I was personally preparing uh, for the past few weeks, I was thinking about the most effective way that I could communicate what I have to say this morning, what I believe the Lord has to say to you. So I began to do some research and I began to search the scriptures for how did Jesus address the crowds when he knew the crowd was coming? How did he address the crowds? And I was just sure I would find something to help me. And I did. I found that the majority of the time as Jesus was addressing the multitudes, he would speak in parables. He would tell a story to illustrate his point that he was trying to make. And while I didn't find a parable to illustrate what the Lord has laid on my heart to speak to you today, I did find a parable that spoke to me. And it took the pressure off of me. And that was the parable of the sower. As Jesus explained the parable of the sower in three of the four Gospels, He said there were four kinds of people who hear the Word. First of all, there were those who hear, but they don't understand. And the Bible said the wicked one comes and he steals away the seed that was sown, and therefore that seed was just thrown by the wayside. Secondly, there are those who receive the Word on stony ground. They quickly receive it, but their ground is stony. So the word is never able to take root. So it doesn't last very long for them. As soon as trouble comes, they forget that word. It has no root. They fall away. Thirdly, Jesus said there were those who received the word, but their ground has too many thorns. Listen to me this morning. They have so much stuff in their life that crowds out the word of God in their lives. So almost as quickly as the word was received, it was pushed out by everything else that's taking up so much space in their hearts and in their lives. But then fourthly, there were those who received the word of God on good soil, the Bible says. That seed took root. It was watered. And it produced a great spiritual harvest in their life. So the first thing that I want to do today, even before we read the word, is to pray for God to condition your soul right now so that you can receive what He wants to say to you today from His Word. Amen? Pray with me. Father, we love you. We praise you. We worship you today. God, I'm asking that today would not be just another ritualistic practice whereby we come to church because it's Easter. But God, I'm asking today that you would speak to us through your word. I'm asking you to condition the soil in every heart in this room right now so that they may receive your word and that it may take root in their lives and that, God, it may produce a great spiritual harvest. We give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for what you're going to do through your word in advance. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, 
Amen. Amen. Thank you, Nicholas. You don't have to play while I read the word this morning. Thank you. I'm going to be reading this morning. If you have your Bibles with you in the book of John, chapter 5, I'm going to read six verses. If you don't have your Bibles, it's going to be on the screen for you. And I want to ask you, if you will, stand with me all over the room for the reading of the word, and then I'll let you be seated. John chapter 5, verses 24 through 29. I want you to pay close attention to what the word says today. He said, I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never, say never, they will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. And I assure you that the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now, today, April the 21st, 2019, when the dead will hear my voice, the voice of the Son of God, and those who listen will live. The Father has life in himself, and he has granted that same life-giving power to his Son. And he has given him authority to judge everyone because he is the Son of Man. Don't be so surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life and those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. I want to preach to you for a few moments this morning a message I have simply titled, We Will Rise. Would you give the Lord a big hand clap of praise as you're seated this morning? This past week, in my mind, I began to think about all of the great Easter sermons that I have had the privilege to hear in my lifetime. Some really great Easter sermons. One quickly came to mind that has been around for many years and actually it was shared on our church Facebook page on, on Good Friday by an old black preacher from California, Dr. S.M. Lockridge with his famous sermon entitled, It's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Another preacher preached a sermon titled, Late One Friday and Early One Sunday. Then all of a sudden, it hit me. Everybody likes to talk about and preach about what took place between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. Easter Sunday has become our single largest day of celebration and worship. And that's great. But I ask you a question today. Did God do all that he did for a once a year celebration? You see... This sanctuary will be filled up twice today. It's almost full this morning. It'll be over full, I'm sure, at 11. But if you were to come by here tomorrow, it'll be empty. You'll return to work tomorrow. The presence of God that we have already enjoyed in our service this morning and the meal after church that you're going to enjoy with family today will be but a mere memory come tomorrow. There have been mountains of material published about what took place between the cross and the resurrection. When Jesus rose from the dead, everything in this entire universe was changed. Nothing would ever be the same again. He became the victor 
over everything that is against him and us. He took the authority away from the devil. He took the fear away from the grave. He took the anxiety away from a people who can now be comforted by and filled with his Holy Spirit. He died for our sins. He rose again for our justification. We would not even be saved if he had not walked out of the tomb. Many people were crucified. Many people were crucified in that day. But there's only been one who was raised from the dead. That's why if Jesus is not raised from the dead, we are still in our sins this morning. And all of this singing, and all of this clapping, and this worshiping, and videos, and all of the preparation that has gone on around here and across the world for weeks is a total waste of time. And it's actually the biggest farce on this planet if Jesus Christ was not raised from the dead. But He is. He is risen this morning. Just like He said. We know the whole story. We've heard multiple sermons preached on the story. It's a wonderful story. It's the easiest sermon you'll ever preach, preachers. It's full of life, victory, and power. We know that early on that Sunday morning that both Marys came to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus and they found that the stone had been rolled away. One account records that an angel said to them, Who are you looking for? Jesus, they said, well, you won't find the living among the dead. He's not here. He has risen. Another account said that Jesus walked right up to Mary. She didn't even recognize him. She was weeping. And he said, woman, why are you weeping? She said, they've taken away my Lord. And we don't even know where to find him. If you could just tell us where he is, we want to anoint his body. And that account said that Jesus revealed himself unto her and he said, I am he that is risen. I am he that was dead and is alive forevermore. And he said to them, he said, go and tell my apostles and Peter that I will meet them in Galilee. And the Bible said that they frantically ran back and they found those cowardly apostles. They were hiding behind closed doors and in corners. And when those ladies found them, they said, I have seen him. He is alive. And those men thought that she had lost her ever-loving mind. But then Jesus himself showed up. He didn't turn the doorknob on the door. He just walked right through the door without even opening it in his glorified, resurrected body. You see, there are no limitations with the God that we serve this morning. There are no barriers with the God that we serve this morning. You can't keep him out if he wants to get in. If he opens a door, you can't close it. And if he closes a door, you cannot open it. He then chastised them gently for not believing the words of Mary. And then after he chastised them gently, he said to them, I've still got my hand on you. My call is on your life. You forsook me. You fled. 
You ran away like cowards, but my hand and my anointing is still upon you. He said, I'm sending you forth as sheep among wolves and I'm telling you to go tell them that I am alive. And oh, the life that those disciples and those apostles lived after that. Especially when Jesus ascended up into heaven after having walked among them for 40 days and nights. The Bible says that he showed them by many infallible proofs that he was alive. He was not a ghost. He was not a mystery. He was the man, Jesus Christ. And when he ascended up into heaven, he sent them into all the world to preach the gospel to every creature and thanks be to God he poured his Holy Spirit out upon them on the day of Pentecost and the Bible said that these people turned the world upside down they had joy when they should have had sorrow they had fellowship with one another they worked their problems out on their knees there was no competition they no longer feared wrong they were not afraid to die you could not make them give up you could not discourage them they had a fire that was burning on the inside of them that could not be put out everywhere they went the Bible says they preached the resurrection of a man named Jesus Christ you couldn't frighten these people you could put them in jail and Jesus would show up to get them out. They could be beaten to a bloody pulp and they would stand and say, wow, I am honored to suffer like he did. That's the kind of resurrection expectation and excitement that was prevalent among the church in that day. Because of Friday and because of Sunday, they knew that they had a life worth living. They knew there was not a devil in hell that could defeat them. They lived in total and complete victory every day of their lives. Now, what's changed? Good Friday, Resurrection Sunday, but what about tomorrow? This is what blows my mind. The book of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death, and only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. What Hebrews is saying is he defeated death. There is nothing for you to worry about or be afraid of. You are free. Because he is risen, we will rise. You don't have to worry and fret over death. But I find a stark contrast between the Christianity of today and the faith of that day. So my question again is, what happened? Why is it that we can come in here like this every week, but when the service is over, 
when Sunday is over and Monday morning comes, we have to drag ourselves out of bed, go down and slosh down some coffee, shave and shower, get dressed, check the news, check the weather, check the emails, check Facebook, get in the car, deal with the traffic, particularly when school is in session. I've been to New York City. We don't even know what traffic is. Deal with those that have road rage or with the road rage we have ourselves. I'll be the first one to say, oh me. Uh-huh, yeah, I will. I'll be the first partaker of those fruits. Many folks, many folks go into work a job they hate with people they cannot stand. They drink coffee all day long. Try to think of something different we can eat for lunch. Struggle just to make it to the end of the day. Then they crawl back in that car they can't afford. Head back home. Fight the traffic. Finally make it home. They come in to find the dog tore something up. Or he had an accident in the house. And the wife is tired. She's mad. You open the mail. You find more bills. Somebody help me this morning. The kids got in trouble at school. Or maybe infinite campus since you a message that they have a failing grade on an assignment to God have mercy then we've got to get dinner set on the table, we got to feed the kids we got to do some laundry we got to make sure everybody gets a bath Lord I hope we're making sure everybody gets a bath we fall into bed totally exhausted just to set the alarm clock and do it all over again tomorrow are you trying to tell me that that is the kind of life we are supposed to live as Christians. I want to tell you something this morning. If all of this power that we talk about and sing about, if all of this victory that we preach about and all of this joy that we experience is just for a one day celebration, a once a year celebration, you can have it. I said you can have it. But it sounds to me like many of us are walking and living far beneath our privileges. It's sounds to me like that is exactly what the enemy comes to do. He comes to steal. He comes to kill. And he comes to destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life and not just life so that we can say we're glad to live another day. But he came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Thank God This is not just a Sunday celebration. I've got to have something for tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday. I've got to have resurrection power working and living inside of me every day of my life. I want to tell you something. I have gone to many other churches in my time especially when we were on the road traveling and singing. And if I can be honest with you, most of the time, I have been appalled at the feeble approach that many take to the gospel of Jesus. I marvel at the lack of fire and the lack of fervor. I wonder how people just endure those services over and over again. My mind and my heart just says that's not the way it was supposed to be. Jesus did not die, folks, for people to drag themselves to a building and listen to somebody moan some song that doesn't make any sense 
and then listen to some guy get up with no passion and no fire and take a weak, scripted, boring approach in an attempt to say something to make everybody feel better about themselves if they can stay awake long enough to catch the punchline. Church should not be about seeing how long you can hold back the yawn. You know, or watching the clock and asking yourself, when is this going to be over? Absolutely not. When the fire of a risen Jesus is down inside of you, when it's inside of a church, there will be no yawning. There will be no dead religion. There will be power that is still able to raise people from the dead. I'm going to wear myself out before the 11 o'clock service even gets here. That's what Romans chapter 8 and verse 11 said. That same power that raised Jesus from the dead shall quicken our mortal bodies. So I'm asking you this morning, did Jesus die for a once a year celebration? Did, did, Did Jesus die so that we could have a long weekend? I don't know if you realize it or not, but you're in a church this morning, I'm sure you realize it by now, where the pastor doesn't ever plan to have a dead, dry service. And if I can help it to preach a boring sermon, I don't plan to let anybody, not even the children who didn't go to children's church, go to sleep. No, sir. You won't find the living among the dead still today. Jesus said, if just we got crowds today, that's wonderful. But guess what? Even when we don't have crowds. Jesus said, if just two or three of my people get together in my name, I will show up. And when I show up, there is no death. There is no depression. There is no anxiety. I want to tell you something this morning, church. When Jesus shows up, light, life, power, joy, healing, peace, and deliverance come with him when he shows up. I got to have a drink of water. I was trying to figure out a way to slip it in there without being so obvious. But I got to have a drink of water. A once a year celebration. Every day to us should be a celebration. When our feet hit the floor in the morning, we should give thanks that he's blessed us to see another day. We're alive because he's alive. We should give thanks to him tomorrow that he's given us another opportunity to tell somebody else about him. It does not matter what I have to face tomorrow because he lives I can face it. I don't have to be afraid of it. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to stress over it. The one who is alive is the one who began this work in me and he's the one who is able to perform it. What does that mean? That means that because he's alive, I'm alive. And because we believe he is risen, we too shall rise. Say amen, somebody. That's why, if you're wondering why, That's why I just can't be quiet. That's why I can't understand. People don't get offended at me. But what good is it 
to go to a building every week where everybody is just going through the motions and come tomorrow they'll be just like everybody else and nothing that happened today will be of any benefit to them tomorrow you see we don't have a great testimony if when we leave church we fall to pieces when problems come the world will look at us and say what's different about you You don't deal with your problems or your bad news any better than I do. You're just as down in the dumps as I am. What's wrong with you? You can't keep your marriage together any better than we can. What's different about you? You see, I believe that we are condemning our own selves when we don't tap in to resurrection power. When we do not walk in the authority that He has made available to us. When we do not walk in joy and victory, we find ourselves acting just like they act. But when the fire of God falls on us and burns within us, there will be a difference. And they will see it. And they will know it. And they will know that we have had an experience with Jesus. So with that said, I don't plan to leave here today like it's been another once a year event. Where people come together out of a habitual ritualistic practice. Because you know what I've found? I think of all the years that I've studied scripture, I always tend to see something new as I did in this passage this week. And I thought, surely to goodness, I'm not supposed to use this on Easter. But I am. Paul was in Athens. I'm going to give you the background, and then I'm going to read two verses out of the book of Acts. Paul was in Athens. He was waiting on Silas and Timothy to join him because he was going to preach and teach. He was starting a ministry there. The Bible says that while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the entire city was given over to idols. Here's what that means. The longer he waited, the madder he got. Because as he was strolling through the streets, he was walking amongst their shrines. Everywhere he turned in Athens, he saw a statue. He saw an idol. He saw a God, some type of representation of a supernatural being. And his spirit got stirred up in him and he just started witnessing to people, asking them who they really worshipped. What was their real faith? And the Bible says that certain Epicurean and Stoic philosophers encountered him and some said to him, what does this babbler want to say? What's What's he talking about? Others said, well he seems to be a proclaimer of foreign gods because they said that because he preached to them Jesus and the resurrection so they took Paul and they brought him into the Areopagus which is that is a it was a philosophical uh, auditorium uh, like place an auditorium of sorts where somebody would stand in the center and they would expound upon all of their philosophical beliefs and everybody else would just sit around and listen to what they had to say so they brought him and they said to Paul tell us what's on your mind we have never heard such 
foolishness. So in Acts 17, 22 and 23, Paul said, standing before the council, he addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines. And one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God, whom you worship without knowing, is the one I'm trying to tell you about. I'm going to lay it all on the line for you this morning. I believe the reason that so many churches today, this morning, uh, where there will be no fire, there will be no excitement, there will be no salvation, no deliverance is because they are actually worshiping a God they do not know. It does not say that they were not worshiping. It says they are worshiping, but they don't really, oh help me Jesus, but they don't really know the one whom they worship. They're going through the motions. They know something about a Jesus, something about a cross, something about a burial, and something about a resurrection. And they even say we are Christians, but they don't know him personally. Do you hear me this morning? There may be somebody in this 845 crowd just like that here today I believe there could be somebody here who decided to come to church today because it was Easter thank you, I'm glad you did you heard the music and now you're hearing the message but you don't really know this God that we have come to worship, you know of him, you know about him but you don't really know him in another passage of scripture Philippians 3 and 10 Paul said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings. Know him, know him, not just in the power of his resurrection. Not just on Easter Sunday. Not just when everybody else is going to church. Not just when everything is going great, when there's money in the bank and everybody in the family's healthy. Not just today, but also tomorrow and the next day and the next day when things may not be going so great, when there is no money in the bank, when sickness and trouble strikes. If we really know Him, if He really is our God, if we have a personal relationship with Him, and if he is the Lord of our lives then this will not be just a once a year celebration this will not be a mere memory come next week we will walk in the victory of the resurrection every day of our lives we can say because he is risen we too will rise Paul is saying God put you where you are. And he doesn't expect you to grope around and act like you don't know who you are. You don't know what you're doing. You don't know where you are. You don't know how you're going to get through tomorrow. And like you don't even know who God is. There is no unknown God. Did you hear me this morning? I said there is no unknown God. 
He is right near every single one of you. Every single one of us this morning. He's not far out there somewhere. He's standing right in front of you. The word says for in him we live and we move and we have our being. We are his offspring. So not only did the resurrection mean that death was defeated and sin was destroyed, but the resurrection gives us another promise because he has appointed a day, listen to me, I'm almost done, in which he will judge the world in in righteousness by the man that he has ordained and given the assurance to all of us that he ordained him by raising him from the dead. I've got to preach just a second right there. The resurrection is not just about Jesus walking out of the tomb and defeating the enemies of the darkness. It is also about the authority that he has because he was raised from the dead. That he has the authority to sit down one day and judge every man and every woman for the things that they have done. Here's what John said in our main text. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. Those who listen and believe have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death unto life. So first of all, do you see the importance this morning of believing in the gospel? And then he went on to say, don't be so surprised. Indeed, the time is coming when all of the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son and they will rise again. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life. And those who have continued in evil will rise. We're all going to rise. Those who have done good will rise to experience eternal life. And those who have continued in evil will rise to experience judgment. Let me tell you why I'm preaching the way I'm about to preach right now. It's because there is coming a day when all of us will rise and Christ Jesus will look you in the eyes and he will say, what did I mean to you then? Not what do I mean to you now? But what did I mean to you then? What did I mean to you when church was over and you were done for the week? What did I mean to you when you were getting up on Monday morning and going to work? What did I mean to you when holidays rolled around? Where did you find yourself? What did I mean to you As you lived in that dark world. Listen to me family. Everybody in this room has an appointment with God. It is chiseled in stone. It is in the mind of the Almighty. There will be a day when you too will rise and stand before Jesus and he will judge you righteously. And the one thing he's going to base it all on is this. What 
did you do with me? I expect it to be quiet right now. If you can say, you were Lord of my life, he will already know it. He'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter in. You've already been saved by grace. You've already been washed in my blood and justified. Come on in. That's what he's going to say. But the most important thing that you can evaluate in your life right now is what am I doing with Jesus? Who is Jesus to me? Is he my life? Do I make my judgments, even my business decisions based on Jesus? Do I strive to obey him and to keep his commandments? Do I follow him? Do I trust him? Do I serve him? Because you too will rise to an appointment with God. I know, I know. This is another, pastor, this is another negative, hard message. People get upset. They get on pins and needles. Let me just say this. I'm not on pins and needles. And I hope somebody is upset. If you don't personally Know Jesus whom we've come to worship this day. Who you got up and got dressed and got ready to get here for. If you don't personally know him, I wish to God if I could, I would. And some of you are going to get mad when I say this. But if I had the power in me, I'd try my best to scare the hell right out of you this morning. Because the most important thing in your life is not that you go to church on Easter. Is not that you just go because the family goes or it's the thing to do. The most important thing in your life is that when your feet hit the floor tomorrow, you've got a personal relationship with the man that we've sung about. You've got a personal relationship with the man that they've worshipped. You've got a personal relationship with the man that I'm preaching about this morning. It's not about pomp and it's not about circumstance. It's about a man named Jesus who lived and he died on the cross and he shed his blood so that you and I could have eternal life. Stand with me all over the house this morning as they quickly come to the music. Listen to your pastor this morning. This is not a negative message. I said this is not a negative message. Now somebody help me. Let me put it like this. Let me put it like this. We just finished tax season. Some of you felt the oppression when I said those two words. Let's just say that you got a letter from the IRS. God have mercy on us, Jesus. And that official letter from Washington, D.C. addressed to you says that because of clinical errors in the past 15 years, you now owe $100,000 in back taxes. Parentheses. But some unknown person has already paid it for you. See, all those people that get so hung up on the first part that I just said, they go to church and they hear a message like this and all they can see is the $100,000. Know anybody like that? $100,000. 
Oh, Jesus, help me. I'm bankrupt. i got to sell everything I own and I still don't have $100,000. What am I going to do? Poor, pitiful, pitiful me. But they don't even think about what is in the parentheses. But some unknown person has already paid it for you. What I'm trying to tell you this morning is this. You have an appointment with God. You are going to stand before the Most High one day. And He is going to judge you in His righteousness. And I know some people say, oh, that's so negative. Nobody wanted to come to church and hear that today. But you have not heard the parenthesis yet. You may be dead in your trespasses and sin this morning. You and I may deserve to burn in hell forever. And we would. But somebody died on a cross for you and he rose again on the third day and now because of that you don't owe a time you don't have to pay anything he paid a debt he did not owe when you owed a debt that you could not pay and he rose on the third day you don't have to pay anything you don't owe anything except to love him and to serve him and to place every aspect of your life in his hands because Jesus paid it all. Hallelujah. Jesus paid it all. So when this service comes to a close in a few moments and the building is empty and everybody's gone, when you, I'm not talking about those sitting around you or anybody else in this building. This is about you and God. When you lay your head down on your pillow tonight when you roll over in the morning and your feet hit the floor if you accept him you don't have to worry you don't have to stress you don't have to struggle you don't have to fight you don't have to fret because that same power Lord have mercy Jesus that same power that raised Jesus from the dead it can and it will live deep down inside of you and I want to tell you something else this morning if it's strong enough to bring Jesus out of the tomb I believe it can handle anything the devil may throw your way but 